Hello and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa, and I am a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Family Brand Podcast. Today I have with me an awesome guest, Eric Knopf. Welcome, Eric. Hey, it's great to be with you. Yes, I'm excited. So you, Eric, you wrote a book about all about raising entrepreneurs. And I'd love to dive into, into that today, but tell us, um, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself though, before we dive in. Yeah, I've been a serial entrepreneur my entire life. Happy to go into that story. But uh, today I'm the co-CEO and co-founder of a company called WebConnects. Not offended that no one out there has ever heard of it. Uh, we make software for event registration, event ticketing, and we power the events and fundraising for some of the biggest brands in the world, like CrossFit, Red Bull, uh, Toyota, Southwest Airlines, a bunch of other people. And so our software powers events and fundraising out there. Uh, our software will process about a billion dollars this year. We've got a team of about 85 people, and we are just having the time of our lives. We have uh, been at this for a long time, but have a very small, high-impact, profitable team. Uh, very entrepreneurial team. Uh, WebConnects is probably my 10th venture over the years. I've had some strikeouts some base hits and WebConnects is my home run. And so uh been just a serial entrepreneur my entire entire life. Um, but WebConnects is my main thing. That's awesome. Because your book is all about raising entrepreneurs, take me a little bit on your entrepreneurial journey that you kind of alluded to. Yeah. So I get questions often from people who are trying to break into entrepreneurship. And so they will ask me about things I believe or the way I work or how I view different topics, whether it's failure or positivity or disciplines and things and people trying to crack the entrepreneurial code. And I believe that you can learn entrepreneurship as an adult. But what I really feel like I had a leg up on is I was raised to be an entrepreneur. As I talk to different co-founders and CEOs and different people in the entrepreneurial field, I found that they too had these really foundational childhood experiences. And then as you look at the stories, the origin stories of whether it's Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Mark Cuban, you name them, you Richard Branson, everybody, you'll find that almost all of them had these really strategic moments in their childhood, which was facilitated by the parents, which gave them a taste of entrepreneurship and tilted the scales for it. So my belief is that what my parents might have done on accident that we can do on purpose and shape our kids to become entrepreneurs one day. And if they don't become actual entrepreneurs, I believe that the principles that you can expose them to will serve them greatly in life. So my origin story was that I was, I think, four years old, five years old. My dad, who's a doctor, you know, a distinguished physician, and his uh, little boy um, tells Dr. Dad, <laughs> one day when I grow up, I want to be the guy who works at the road construction site, twirling the sign between stop and slow. And most fathers, especially professionals, would have squashed that dream and would have criticized the dream and would have said, how dare you? And that's, you know, it's a minimum wage job, it requires no skill. 
Uh, but my dad and my mom, they fanned that flame for whatever reason, by accident, you know, possibly. But they got me the orange construction vest. They got me the yellow construction helmet. And they would take me out to construction zones to smell the asphalt and, uh, you know, watch the heavy machinery. And I loved it. And so then later, as I, you know, a couple of years later, I wanted to become a fighter jet pilot. And so they took me to air shows and exposed me to, you know, the history of aviation. And, and so I named my son Maverick, you know, as well, you know, because of that love, but they fanned that flame. And then I want to be a fly fisherman. And then I wanted to be a cartoonist. And the list goes on and on and on. Um, but I, I probably started my first business somewhere around the age of 10 or 12. I grew up on a family farm. And one of the principles in my book, you know, you can learn about uh, was that I, I took some of the family corn and I went on the side of the, the street, just like a lemonade stand, you know, similar, and just started selling corn. And so that was kind of the snowball's role of kind of my entrepreneurial pursuits. Uh, over the years, I've started a number of different companies, multiple tech companies, but I've had service companies, I've had products, I've had other ones. So, um, you know, I've kind of dabbled at everything, but I believe that I was raised in such a way where I thought differently, I viewed the world differently, and it really has been the foundational core of my entrepreneurial engine that I believe all of us can help give our kids. That's cool. What would you, okay, I'm thinking, your book is about raising entrepreneurs. I'd like to even back up prior to we jump into that. Like, why sure. would someone want to raise an entrepreneur, do you think? <laughs> well, I kind of joke that, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, that you're the last one to get fired, I guess, you know, like you're the last one to get paid, but you're the last one to get fired. But for me, I look at entrepreneurship as I am partnering with my own feature. I'm commanding my own feature. Uh, I sit on the board of a college and my goal in being part of that board is to help them bring entrepreneurship to the college because we are training people to look and depend upon others for jobs. So on a personal front, I believe I'm commanding and creating my own feature. I'm uh, very drawn into that possibility. It, it, like, it calls me forth. And so I believe entrepreneurship is the fullest expression of commanding your own feature and your own destiny. But also, it's, it's filled with practical skills as well for someone who can think critically and, and create and innovate. And so I believe that that transcends all career paths and fields as well. But I think the entrepreneur in this day and age is now the kind of celebrity career that maybe doctors, firefighters, and astronauts was 20 years ago, where people now want to become entrepreneurs. And there's a lot of gimmicks. There's a lot of things that, you know, we can get tempted by or tricked by and people go into entrepreneurship for the wrong reasons. I believe that at the core, there is something that's really special that is transformational that you can teach kids to become entrepreneurial while not necessarily becoming entrepreneurs directly. Well, that's great. I hope my kids become entrepreneurs directly, but I believe the entrepreneurial spirit is so valuable across all fields and industries. That's cool. Beautiful, beautiful answer. So yeah, tell us about, tell us about your book. Like what are your, your inspiration for it? And tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So the inspiration was that kind of a revelation of that. I had these childhood experiences. Was I born differently? Was I just born with this entrepreneurial gene and realizing that other people had these very unique childhood experiences? And so then reflecting upon what I experienced, what other people experienced, and realize that parents and families hold the keys to tilting the trajectory of someone's future 
for entrepreneurship or to be entrepreneurial. And so the book is these nine principles that I walked through with stories and also journey to that with my own kids, filled with practical application for how people can explore this with their own kids. And so it's really was part of a tribute that I wanted to give back to my, my own parents. I wrote it and I gave it to my dad, you know, printed it out on an inkjet printer and gave it to him on Father's Day and just said, thank you. You know, I look at my, uh, my, my success as really as being a product of, I had parents who loved me in such a, a really unique and special way that created this entrepreneurial drive. My sister's an entrepreneur, my brother's an entrepreneur. And so it really was this pursuit of, can you grow and shape kids? Can you raise kids in a way that they embody these traits and become entrepreneurs and embody the entrepreneurial spirit? And my belief is you can. So it's really you know, outlining those things, trying to give people inspiration for how they can try it with, with their own kids and to not overcomplicate it. There's so many ways that we overcomplicate entrepreneurship. Um, it's really about, I'm going to go create something that is going to serve a customer and in exchange, you know, receive a dollar, receive an impact, something of that nature. And I think that's incredibly valuable. So the book kind of outlines no matter what age your kids are at, how you can start to explore it. So it kind of goes through the genesis. I talk about the construction hat and the vest and that whole story and the multiple things. But one of the things I, I want to tell parents is that you need to be unafraid of your kids' dreams. You know, parents hold the keys to either fan the flames of their kids' dreams or to squash them mercilessly. And so when you're a parent and you hear your kids' dreams, like right now, my son wants to be a robot inventor. You know, I'm like, great, let's do it. And I'm like getting the Mark Rober engineering kits. I'm like fanning the flames. I have no idea if he's ever going to do that. That's not the important thing. My job as a parent is not to critique and criticize and ultimately squash my son's dreams. My job as a parent is to help him explore his creativity, to find what he's going to want to do. I wandered through like 35 different professions probably before I found what I love to do, what I'm doing today. And so I think for parents, they can teach their kids fear. They can teach their kids to depend on somebody else. They can teach them all these bad things that are going to hinder their careers by what they do when their children surface their dreams. So for me, it's a multifold. I want to see more kids become entrepreneurs. I want to see more parents champion their kids' dreams and, uh, and to really change the, the future of them. That's really beautiful. And I think that we... As parents, like I, or at least I, as a parent, feel like that's part of my my big job or my big mission as a parent is like helping them, you know, find their identity and their passion. And we we mentioned before we started recording that it's easy sometimes to let identity be wrapped up in the thing that you're that you're doing, like or having success at or not having yeah. success at. Will you speak to that a little bit here? Yeah. One of the things that we can do to advance our kids is to teach them that their worth is not in what they do. The world wants to tell you that you are only as valuable as what you are doing. And that's very vexing when it comes to entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship has a high degree of failure. Like you don't know what's going to work. I've got, you know, one home run, but I've got a lot of other failures as well. And so having an identity where my parents championed in me that hey, you are loved, you are valuable, you have an identity apart from anything else you do. You might do a ton of different things, we're gonna love you the same. That helped break the unhealthy bond between 
I'm only as valuable as what I do and it's, and the success of what I do. And the reason that people struggle with entrepreneurship sometimes is because they've now intertangled their identity with what they're doing. And if this thing that I'm doing fails, then I am a failure. And so we have to separate identity from what we do. What we do is going to come and go. It's going to change. It's going to morph. There's going to be seasons of work and seasons where we pivot and it doesn't work anymore. That doesn't change who we are. So you, I don't think, can ever be a successful entrepreneur without being able to be at peace with yourself and your identity, knowing that you've got worth and you've got an identity central to your being that is different than what you're going to put your hands to and work out because that thing may succeed or may take a long time to succeed. But there is so much at risk now that my identity is tied with my thing that people get hung up. The other thing is that unless you are launching rocket ships and boarding them, you know, the consequences to failure are really not that big. You know, people don't want to fail at something. Why? Is because they're worried about what people will think about them. We are surrendering our destiny and our futures under the control of other people's opinions. And that's a miserable way to live your life. So not only are we worried about, well, I'm a failure if this thing fails, we now will surrender our future under the fear that someone might criticize us for trying and failing. And I try and fail. Like, you know, show me someone who's failed. Great. Like you've tried something. Congratulations. Like you learned something. Show me someone who's not ever failed. And I'll show you someone who's never tried anything in their life. And I want to live a life that takes bold risks. Like the life I want is not going to come to me easily. I need to go take it. I like to say, you know, God is not going to stop people from living a miserable life. It's within our capacity to choose a miserable life. And often choosing a miserable life is actually not choosing anything at all. So I think we need to be people who venture forward and create our own destiny in our future. And it's incredibly powerful. That's, again, very, really beautiful. I love that. And I think you're right. It is a lot of times, you know, when you get underneath, like, why am I not going for this thing? Why am I not doing this thing? Why am I, you know, procrastinating or whatever it is? I think for so many people, like, if you can get underneath it all, that's what it's, that's what it is. It's like, what? what yeah. someone else will think. And we think that people are thinking about us all the time. The stories in our head about what's in other people's heads, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just not the lie. It, like, it's not happening. It's like, we are living down our existence upon hypothetical thoughts into minds of people that we don't even maybe know well. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. what do people on social media think about me? And it's like, that is a, a really low level to live life and what a low bar to surrender your entire life and your future to live down to someone's opinions. I've noticed um your this always reminding me of a story that with with our own kids. So we lived for a year in Hawaii in 2021. And at one point my older boys who are there right now they're um 14 and 15, they have a little t-shirt company. Oh. Yes. They sell, they were selling shirts <laughs> on the side of the road. We had this cool old truck, um, this old Volkswagen. It was like 1963 Volkswagen truck. So we were parked on the North Shore selling T-shirts out of the back of the truck. So all the kids were there. Those are my two oldest boys. And then I think our younger kids were probably at the time nine, six, and five. 
But my older boys, they were nervous to call people over to be like, hey, check out our shirts. Come over here, you know. But my, uh, again, I think it was probably five at the time. My five-year-old, he had no like qualms about it. He was like fine with being calling people over. And if they said no, thank you. He was like on to the next one. Didn't care. Yep. Do you think sometimes it's something that happens as some as kids grow older that they begin to internalize this, like what other people are thinking? Or I mean, I'm sure it is happens with age, but do you think some people are just born with less of that filter in place or not necessarily? I mean, I think maybe on that one is maybe introvert versus extrovert, you know, and I think there are the the social phobias are probably deeper layers in there. Um, That certainly can be the case. I think when I talk to other entrepreneurs and they're trying to become entrepreneurs, they have to really unlearn a lot of what they're raised with. And you're doing an amazing service to your kids to expose them to that. Uh, but so many of them have to unlearn the fear of other people, and particularly the fear of embarrassment. And we got to be careful because, you know, I might say to my son, hey, you need to like comb your hair and you, know, you, you can't wear your Star Wars jammies out, you know? And so embarrassment is this really delicate topic where I think as us with parents is we have to be able to navigate embarrassment and help our kids, you know, be responsible, but not overextend to where we fear people or we fear what people will think of us. And that takes intentional work. But yeah, you're going to have some kids that are just like, I love being the center of attention and I cannot be bothered by any other opinion. Other people, like it is harder for them. And so I think there's different roles and different capacities for people, but giving them that taste, I think the best thing that we can do for kids, whether it's a lemonade stand, a t-shirt out of a truck, I help my kids start a photography business is having them experience trying something, winning a customer who will pay you money, even if it's $5. Anytime I see a lemonade stand, anytime I see a lemonade stand, I go out of my way, pull over. I give them all of my money. I'll give them like $30 for a four and a half cent thing. Why? It's because I know that taste, not a lemonade, but that taste of that they made a sign. They stood up, they, they have that anxiety and now someone gave them money and that makes that experience rewarding. I'm investing into this chemical transformation of their brain that rewards them for venturing out with risk. So even the shy kids, once they start to get that taste of that success and get that validation, um, I think they come alive. That, that That's the case for me. You know, I it just took a little bit more of that, that traction, that success to where, wow, I can like lean into this. Like I'm okay with this. I don't like going up to people and, interrupting them, but I'm good at it now, even though I don't like it. <laughs> what would you, okay. So say, like you're saying, they make some money, they get mm-hmm. the taste of entrepreneurship, like you're describing. And then yeah. what, where from there do you go with it? Like as far as money? Great question. Yes. I think we, in our effort to help our kids save money, we have got piggy banks and there's this emphasis on save, 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 save. But my kids don't know what $5 versus $50 means. Uh, well, they do, but like most kids don't. And so we as parents, you know, as we try to introduce money, we can do it without really round out the picture for them to appreciate money. So for example, uh, I'll pay my kids to help me out in the yard and I'll pay them 25 cents a pine cone and our pine cones are huge, you know? So they will add in pine cones and work with me for a few hours. 
And so, you know, that is, let's say $25. It's great. That $25 doesn't mean anything to them until they now want a video game that costs $49. Well, now they can say like, wow, well, that's like another two hours outside for that video. They have an appreciation for now money. And so the other thing is to get them to spend it. Like I want the kids to like save, save some. I want them to give away some as well. Like we did a, a, a Operation Christmas Child where, you know, you pay for things to go in shoeboxes and, you know, like let's have the kids participate in giving away things. And that's really important. But I want them to spend money on themselves. When they spend their hard-earned money on themselves, they now have motivation to earn more. And they now have a direct relationship between if I work more, I can get more of what I want. This is one of the great things my dad did. I grew up on a farm. And so I loved motocross, dirt bikes and things. But those things are expensive. You know, like the parts and accessories, they're sometimes $100, $200, $400. And my dad is like, you can have all of the dirt bike parts you want, but you're going to earn money. And he gave me a whole list of things I could do. If I want to mow the lawn on the riding lawnmower, which I love, that's $5 an hour. If I want to go pull tansy out in the alfalfa fields, you know, then that's going to be $15 an hour. If I want to load hay on a truck, that's $10 an hour. If I want to go work in the nursery with uh, the other crew, that's, you know, $9 an hour. Like, and he gave me a bunch of options, right? And then I had household chores, you know, vacuuming things were smaller amounts. But now I'm in charge of like my future. I can look at the things, I can look at my responsibilities and options. Wow, if I really wanna get that exhaust system sooner, I might go pull Tansy because that is paying more. And so I would write my hours and every week we'd settle up and he'd give me some money and it was awesome. And then I had that healthy relationship between if I want more, I should go work more. And I didn't have an allowance. You know, I wasn't just giving money for just breathing, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, maybe necessarily, but except for if it goes to a level where people expect to be paid for doing nothing, even if it's making your bed, it's a dollar every day you make your bed, you know, that would be a better expression of a notion of, of, a, um, of an allowance, if you will. So, yeah, uh, I think- An actual exchange of like- An exchange, yeah. Yeah. But that accelerated my motivation. So as I wanted to- pursue more things and the things I wanted, mainly dirt bikes at the time, um, I had then pathways to be in control of my own earning potential. Your dad seems pretty genius. Like all of these things that you said, he kind of wasn't intentionally saying like, oh, I want my son to have these certain skills and become an entrepreneur. But all these things that he put in place, like you said, fanning your your passions, whatever they may be, giving you opportunities to earn money. What else yeah, so would- the, the whole book is about things that my parents, they will admit they did not know what they were doing. What they did on accident, we all can do on purpose. And I'm convinced that those lessons really shaped me and my my siblings, um, the way that we turned out to be entrepreneurs. So, yeah, and he, he you know, little things like uh, lent to me. So what does that look like for us with having kids? Well, when I was maybe eight or nine, you know, I took corn from the family cornfield, went on a street corner and sold corn. And my dad said, you can take as much corn as you want, but, you know, give me a nickel for every ear of corn you're selling. I think I sell for like 25 cents. It was great. I, I, I can take something 
that I don't have to buy, that my, my parents can give me, and then I can go create wealth, <laughs> tiny, tiny bits of wealth, with it. <laughs> uh, I did the same thing with my kids. You know, last fall, they wanted to figure out something entrepreneurial to do. They see daddy, and daddy's an entrepreneur. And so we talked about it. It was the fall time, and what do people need in the fall? Like, what are people spending money on, and what do we have? And I had a few professional-grade cameras. I was like, well, hey, people need Christmas cards. And we live in Lake Tahoe. Why don't we start Scarlet Mavericks photography business, you know? And we will take your family portrait for your Christmas card. And all we did is we did a little graphic, did a little video, and we posted it on Nextdoor. And the phone started ringing and people were into it. And it's like, you know, dad's going to be there. This is not like, you know, little flip phone camera. Like this is, you're going to get a good quality picture. But now my kids are borrowing something from me. And they're able to now make money with it. We made like $300 or something. It was, it was awesome. And they just, you know, that taste was awesome. I think when I was 14, I saw uh, classified ads for this, you know, three-wheeler at the time. And it was really cheap. It wasn't working. And so I asked my dad, hey, can I borrow $500 to buy this junked out, you know, three-wheeler? And he just kind of like big eyes, you know, it's like, my plan is to take that money, buy the three-wheeler and then part out each individual thing. And so he agreed. So we took the money, me and my best friend Forrest, and we got this three-wheeler, and then we sold the engine for $750. And then we sold the frame for 200 and the wheels for 50. And all together, we probably made $2,000 off of the $500. So even this principle of like, kids, I will give you something to help you go make money. My dad let me take the ride in lawnmower, you know, and I went and started mowing other people's lawns in the neighborhood, which is great to drive the ride in lawnmower down the street. It was awesome. But, you know, lending to your kids, even that principle to help them achieve what they want, incredibly powerful. Tell me what you would do. Say if you set up your, um, your photography business, for example, that you described. Yeah. And the, there had been no no phone calls. No, no phone calls would have come in and, you know, they would have made no money. What Walk me through like what a conversation with your kids might have been like at that at that point. Well, we, we talk about why did it not work? You know, there's a number of reasons, you know, what, what's going to change someone's buying perception because they're paying other people to take photos, right? So maybe it's the price, you know? And so one of the strategy was like, we just want to get to a paying customer. I think it was like, we're charging $25 or $50. Now, if we had no customers at $25 or $50, the argument could be, it's too small for people to take seriously, that they're going to get dressed up and they want, they might feel more comfortable with the higher price, you know? So we talk about that, but by and large, hey, it didn't work out. What's next? Let's try dog walking. I think this summer we're going to try dog washing. My, my daughter just loves, loves animals. And so I think we're going to try like a little pet station wash. And we're going to try that. But I think the, the pursuit of entrepreneurship is a lot of at-bats. We have this notion that I need to think and try hard enough and plan hard enough. And my first at-bat is going to be this grand slam. And it's just not that way. You know, you, you got to get a lot of at-bats and you got to have a lot of tries. And, you know, really the game of entrepreneurship is scoring points on the board, not hitting a grand slam one time. And so... Yeah, for that example, you know, we would just would either tweak, revise, try something else, you know, call friends and family. You know, maybe it's like I need to text or call 
the neighbors and let them know, like there's a number of things that we can go there, which would be helpful for them. But ultimately these things, we just never know, you know, there's no explanation for why maybe something works and something doesn't work. I like the way you're saying how it wouldn't be like, well, that that failed, like this is never going to work. But I like your conversation that you're in the dialogue about like, okay, what could we do better? What could, you know, is it a price? Is it a this? It's like continually like tweaking and, and growing and learning and yeah, evolving yes. from, from there. It's never this one thing and now I'm hands off and I don't touch it. It's like, we're going to try this. All right. And let's tweak it some more tweak it some more, tweak it some more, tweak it some more. And that's been my whole business career, you know, is taking something and, and your initial idea is never the thing that works. Like there's revisions. I'm sure you've experienced the same thing. You know, that there's this iterative process that we go through to find out what works and what connects with customers. And it's great. Um, yeah, we did it with the photography business. We loaded up the kids in, I have a scooter sidecar you know, with the dog and we print out flyers and went and dropped them all in mailboxes and things. And so we tried that as well. And it's great. Um, you got to try those things. And, and for them, they get a taste. Like, you know, we as parents, if we know that we want to introduce them to being resilient and continue to try and iterate, we need to hold their hand and help them walk through that. They're not going to know that by themselves. They're going to think, well, I, I tried it didn't work. I guess I'm going to give up. And we do a disservice if we allow them to give up just on the first pass. Yeah. And you're right. It has been at least my journey with entrepreneurship. Um, Chris has had a longer journey with it. So I think family brand is okay. I did have journeys growing up with like volleyball camps and things I would do in, in high totally. school, do for the neighborhood kids and stuff. But as an adult, family brand has been confronting because it has been like, well, this isn't not that it's just requiring a lot of of tweaking and you're right it's not like yep. oh you nail it the first time and it's perfect and like you said hands off it's like always tweaking and that can be like really confronting yeah. sometimes and probably what worked three years ago isn't working as well now and maybe something that didn't work before is like oddly working now too it's 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 funny how things just change and there's not a whole lot of rhyme or reason what would you say to a parent who is going to uh, read your book. Like, what would you say is one, yeah, one takeaway? I guess from from your book. Oh, only one. I guess if I was to say, if there's one thing in the book, which by the way, would... we're we're not getting into like all the meat and potatoes. So please go and check sure. out Eric's book. So he he like lays it out, like all the things that that you can do. Yeah, it's short. I don't like long books. So it is incredibly short. My wife read it in a discouraging like 45 minutes. It's like, I spent all this time on this and, and she's a very fast reader, but it's very concise, very applicable. There's checklist suggestions. There's a number of things there. I think strategically, one of the best things a parent can do is to be the champion of their kids' dreams. That will build their confidence. That will give them permission to explore more that will give them courage, that will give them safety in their identity. When, when we get behind them full force, uh, a lot of amazing things happen. The tactical things that are in here, whether it's helping them overcome the fear of failure, like all that stuff is emanating from the spoke of, we have to be all about our kids. 
uh, and their dreams and not be afraid. If your kid wants to be a professional athlete, right? Or a singer, you know, wants to write music, like we sometimes in the pursuit of being helpful, will squash them and suppress them and set them back so far. It'd be better to say like, do it. Let's go for it. Let's enroll you in basketball camp if you want to be a professional basketball player. I wanted to be a professional basketball player at some point. You know, and at junior high, you know, realized I'm not that good. High school got, you know, <laughs> cut. Like life is going to have its way of giving me feedback and it's going to give me that lesson as well. It doesn't necessarily need to happen from parents. And we think we're helping our kids by helping them be practical, but in their formation, being practical is actually more crushing than helpful. So I think just being all about them and knowing that they're going to change their mind probably 40 times. So you don't need to worry about them that they want to go to clown school and, you know, become a pro professional clown performer, you know, for their adult life. They're probably going to change their mind and they're probably going to try it, realize they don't like it and try something else. And that was for me trying a lot of things. Wow. I thought I would like that. I don't like that. Um, try this. That looks interesting. Wow, I don't like that either. But you would never get to that trying stage. You would never have that courage and that ambition if you were now riddled with fear about the right one pathway and to please my parents for the provided career path. I think so much of a parenting journey is learning to let go of your own stuff as a parent. You know what I mean? Totally. Like putting it on them. Like the example of your dad why he could have gone into all the reasons why you can't be the guy holding the sign because he went to school and what would it. He doesn't he, have a real job is why he's doing it. Yeah. Yes. He could have easily gone to like, no, my son will not do that. Like you're going to do this and X, Y, Z. But sure. how beautiful that he, that he didn't do that. And I think that's such a place, a great place for all parents to aspire to get to is where the success of your children and what they're doing, like that you're, that's not, part of your identity you don't have to take it on and all you can do is support support them and and fan their their dreams yeah i really wanted to work at this one motocross shop i think i was like 13 or 14 and i didn't know what to do i was like beyond or i hadn't reached kind of employment age yet but i just wanted to be there and so i asked uh and then collaborating with my parents like hey could you drop me off there after school two days a week and i'll just go sweep their floors and so I would just show up and just sweep their floors. That's all. Like, you don't need to pay me. I just want to be around here. And eventually the phone rings and Arlen Lehman, you know, God bless him, man. He's like, hey, why don't you pick it up? Like you've overheard us enough, you know, and, and starting to the phones. And then that led to me doing some of the graphic design. I made the first t-shirt and then I did their business cards and I did their catalog and eventually their website. And it just was this whole entire chain reaction in my career all because my parents are like well what's the worst that can happen you know like you go and you show up and you sweep their floors they, they tell you to get out like that's that's the worst thing that happened what's the best thing that happened i completely changed the future of my life by getting to work with them and they gave they gave me opportunities i never would have had what a beautiful a beautiful journey that's been fun <laughs> <laughs> okay where can people find your book or find more Best places, Amazon, Raising Entrepreneurs, uh, and you can get it there. It's two-day shipping is probably the fastest way. And then if anybody wants to follow my journey, uh, Instagram is probably my best place. Uh, I show a lot of what I do with my kids on there. We command a whole bunch of different adventures, and we tell it all in story format. So even on my Instagram, I got a bunch of 
saved uh, saved stories that are on there from us deciding that we need to build a birdhouse that then got totally out of control. And we built like a squirrel mansion with two floors and we started live streaming from the squirrel house. So I chase ideas with my kids on there. We build bobsled courses. We do all sorts of things. And my Instagram handle is just my full name, Eric Knopf, K-N-O-P-F. Sorry for a complicated last name there. But uh, yeah, good, good, hard name there. My in-laws were like, can you buy a vowel with this last name? Um, but no, just kidding. I'll link uh, to all that in uh, the show notes. I'll link to. Yeah. So my Instagram is a great place. Uh, anybody who's chasing this kind of notion of helping shape their kid's future with entrepreneurship, I would love to hear from them, talk with them. I would love to share ideas. Uh, if I'm not helping other people bring entrepreneurship to their homes and shaping entrepreneurship for their households, uh, I'm not living up to my calling. So this is this is something I just feel intrinsically motivated and passionate about at a soul level. So uh, Instagram's there. And then, yeah, the books everywhere. Books are sold online. I love your your passion and your enthusiasm for it. You can like feel that as as I'm talking with you. So you're doing it. You're awesome. Thank you so much for <laughs> being with us today on the Family Brand Podcast. So great to be with you. Congratulations on all you're doing and all the ways that you're impacting people. It's uh, inspiring and honored to be uh, with you and with your listeners. Thanks, Eric. Thank you so much for listening to the Family Brand Podcast. To say thank you, we have something really awesome we'd love to share with you. You know, we often hear from families who will tell us that they just feel so overwhelmed because of the demands that are placed on them. They feel like they're constantly being pulled in so many different directions and spread thin and they're spending time as a family, but they don't feel like it's quality time. They're not really connected and they want to be more intentional. And we can certainly relate because we felt like that at one point in, in our family. And so we created a guide that allowed us to really be more confident around how we spend time as a family and what we say yes to and what we say no to. And it's just brought so much more peace into our home. It's made our lives so much more simple and we want to share it with you. So if you go to familybrand.com, forward slash free, you can download the how to take back your family's time guide. And I can promise you it'll give you more confidence and more peace in your life than your family. One last thing, we feel so inspired when we hear from families that we are making a difference for them. We would love it if you would leave us a five-star rating and a review on the podcast so we can reach even more amazing families. We truly believe that the way we change the world is one family at a time.